0: Just a content warning on this one, this episode of Scandal mentions child abuse and may be triggering for some listeners. One bombshell who won hearts the world over, but the story of Marilyn Monroe's life extends far beyond glamour, wealth and fame to something much darker. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited.
1: Well, Mish, people have been asking for this Scandal series for a little while now because if there is a bigger historical celebrity than Marilyn Monroe, I want you to tell me who it is.
0: Yeah, literally show me that celebrity. She is the biggest icon, biggest celebrity icon that I can think of for sure. This is one that we've had on the cards for a very, very long time, but it's almost like a little bit intimidating because the life of Marilyn Monroe is so storied and so colourful. It's going to be interesting to try and like jam it into two episodes.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, there's so much there, as you say. There's quite a lot in her childhood. There is a bunch from her career, as we know. And then her death, her life was cut short at the age of 36. So there is so much life within those 36 years, to be honest. Mm. It is so Truly remarkable. I think what's really interesting for our generation regarding Marilyn Monroe is I think with her legacy, so much of it surrounds her really pervasive sex appeal yeah. and that very iconic singing of happy birthday to JFK, the, the white, white dress. dress. Yeah. But beyond that, as a 27 year old in 2021, there is very little I know about Marilyn Monroe beyond those facts and then perhaps the facts of the story in. Candle in the Wind from Elton John yeah. which was written about Marilyn Monroe, but beyond that I didn't know much. So going back has been absolutely fascinating.
0: Yeah, it's actually interesting because when we started researching this, don't know if my phone and like I don't know the creators of TikTok are stalking me potentially. But when we started researching this episode, all of a sudden clips of Marilyn Monroe acting began showing up on my TikTok feed. So either it's a trend or my phone is stalking me, but lots of people still care about Marilyn Monroe and There's such a good reason for it. Going through this has been one of the most enjoyable stories to revisit, and we cannot wait to introduce you. So should we rewind to when Marilyn Monroe was born?
1: Yeah, let's go to 1926.
0: Zara, Marilyn Monroe was not born. Marilyn Monroe. She was born on the 1st of June in 1926 at Los Angeles General Hospital, and her given name was actually Norma Jean Mortensen. Yeah, so she was born to her mother,
1: Gladys Monroe Baker, who worked as a film cutter. And when we say film cutter, we literally mean like hand cut reels of film. Four movies. Now, she was inspired to name her daughter after the actress Norma Talmadge. Yeah,
0: Gladys was only 24 when she gave birth, and she was also a single mum. By the time that she gave birth to Norma Marilyn, Gladys had been married several times and actually had two kids with her former husband, John. He had been given full custody of those children. She was single when she discovered that she was pregnant with Marilyn, and I think we need to remember. This is 1926. So to be a single mother, you don't know where the father is. It comes with a heap of stigma and a heap of judgment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we will, for ease, I guess, throughout this episode, be calling Marilyn Monroe Marilyn, even <laughs> though at this time she was Norma Jean, but we just don't <laughs> want to get confused. So within two weeks of Marilyn's birth, Gladys actually gave her daughter over to a foster family who lived 25 kilometers away for exactly the reason that you said, Mia, she just wasn't really the Done thing for a woman of that age or of any age, really, to be raising a child by herself.
0: Yeah, it was super frowned upon to try and raise a child as a single unmarried woman. So, Gladys also really wasn't in the position to financially support herself or her daughter. There was no one to care for Marilyn while Gladys was off at work, and by all accounts, she wasn't really suited to motherhood. Yes, she had children, but it wasn't a life that suited her. From what we've read, she seemed like quite an unanchored and restless human. Yeah, very untethered. So Marilyn
1: went to live with a foster family. And one of the key books that we read for research when working on this episode was Marilyn Monroe, The Biography by Donald Spotto. Now, Donald Spotto interviewed over 150 people for the book, and it is regarded as one of the best authorities on Marilyn's life and was really especially useful when learning about her childhood. So we will put some details about that book in our show notes if people are interested in checking it out. But according to Spoto, photographs from this time showed Marilyn as, and I quote, a winsome child with ash blonde hair, an engaging smile and bright blue-green eyes.
0: Yeah. So this foster family provided Marilyn with a home for the first seven years of her life. So she was there for quite a while, but they were also extremely conservative and religious and really disapproved of a lot of modern life, in particular, Hollywood movies. They weren't very emotionally expressive. And throughout that time, Marilyn later said she felt like she was never good enough and particularly never clean enough, which is such an interesting point to make, like never clean enough for your foster family feels very loaded. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Despite this, Marilyn said that she actually did
0: start dreaming
1: of being an actress When she was around five years old, growing up in this incredibly strict household, she told Life magazine years later at the height of her fame that as a child, and this is her quote, I didn't like the world around me because it was kind of grim, but I loved to play house. It was like you could make your own boundaries. Mm. I do feel like this is a common thread that we find with people with you know tough childhoods who end up in the bright lights of Hollywood or the bright lights of entertainment in that their imagination is often the only place they go.
0: Yeah, according to that biography we've referenced a couple of times already, Marilyn really struggled with feelings of abandonment and shame around this time as well. She told a friend years later, I was probably a mistake. My mother didn't want me. I probably got in her way and I must have been a disgrace to her. She felt that way, but then at age seven, her mum came back in 1933 and wanted her in her home again.
1: Yeah, exactly, which would have to be incredibly confusing for a young child. So when Gladys came back, it seemed as though she was finally ready to become a mother. She had been able to secure a loan. She'd been able to buy a house near Hollywood, and she and Marilyn moved into that house together. She also rented out the two spare rooms in that house to two other actors. And so Gladys, with the help of her best friend, Grace, started to raise Marilyn, which really kind of gives rise to that idea that it takes a village.
0: Yeah, and this was a completely different upbringing to what Marilyn had experienced for the first seven years of life. You go from this extremely religious household to all of a sudden an extremely modern household. Your single mum is raising you with her best friend who lives down the hall. Marilyn later wrote of this time, I was kind of shocked. I thought my mum and her friends were all going to hell. I spent hours praying for
1: them. (laughs) It's so indicative of how strict then that foster home had been before she actually Went home to her mother. Grace also worked in filmmaking. So her mum and Grace would actually take her on weekend tours of Hollywood. And over the summer holidays, while her mum and Grace worked at film labs, they gave Marilyn money to spend on movies. Mm. So there is a real thread here, very, very early, at least from her mum and her mum's friends. That Hollywood and movies are here.
0: Yeah, she told Life magazine, I'd sit all day and way into the night up in front there with the screen so big, a little kid all alone, and I loved it. I love anything that moved up there, and I didn't miss anything that happened, and there was no popcorn either. (laughs) In August that same year, though,
1: Gladys actually became quite mentally unwell. So she was prescribed some psychiatric medications, but As we can imagine, they weren't particularly advanced back then and actually may have done far more harm than good. So she struggled with this. She drank too much. She needed more sophisticated medical care than what was available. And so she spent many years after that in and out of hospitals or what they call rest homes, which were mental health hospitals, and asylums. Now, she was apparently diagnosed with what doctors at the time called paranoid schizophrenia.
0: Yeah, and all of this unreliable. All of this mental illness obviously means that Marilyn is going to have her whole life ripped up, torn up again. So huge upheaval when she was about to turn eight years old. Marilyn spent the next year, so 1934, living in her mum's home, but being cared for by the actors living in the rooms and by her mum's best friend, Grace. Luckily, it seems like around this time, Grace really adored Marilyn and gave her a lot of love, which is exactly what she needed. Grace also wanted Marilyn to be a star. So, Grace was kind of that motherly best friend who (laughs) bought Marilyn clothes and would obsess over Marilyn's hair and play with makeup and kind of gently nudge her at least into the spotlight a little bit.
1: Yeah, exactly. One of Grace's colleagues told the journalist Donald Spotto for his book that if it weren't for Grace, there would be no Marilyn Monroe. Grace raved about Norma Jean like she was her own. Grace said Norma Jean was going to be a movie star. She would say, don't worry Norma Jean, you're going to be a beautiful girl when you get big, an important woman, a movie star.
0: Marilyn, years later, said that Grace used to touch a spot on her nose and say, you're perfect except for this little bump, sweetheart, but one day you'll be perfect. Now I'm kind of regretting those quotes (laughs) earlier of me saying that she was gently nudging her. I don't even know what to make of Grace, to be honest. Yeah, there's a lot of complexity to the
1: character. I have that in inverted commas of Grace in Marilyn's story because, yes, she kind of gave Marilyn a home at a time when she didn't really have anyone else. She kind of encouraged her to be that movie star. But for what? Like, and for who, really? So Grace actually wanted to adopt Marilyn herself, but because Marilyn's mother, Gladys, was still alive, at this point in time, two things had to happen. Doctors would have to declare Gladys unfit to care for Marilyn and Marilyn would have to spend 6 months in an orphanage before she could be legally adopted out a really interesting process
0: sounds super bizarre that if you have an unfit parent and you have a willing fit guardian willing to put up their hand you still need to go through 6 months of the child being in an orphanage like thankfully we don't do things this way at all anymore but it does seem quite backwards when you apply it to today's standards now this takes us to the year of 1935 Marilyn was was eight, about to turn nine years old, when Gladys, her mother, was officially institutionalised. That meant that Marilyn was in foster homes, in orphanages, again, waiting for the court to approve Grace's adoption.
1: Yeah, but then really sadly for Marilyn, Grace actually fell in love in this time and the man that she fell in love with she ended up marrying and that husband insisted that Marilyn was just another mouth to feed for them and that they didn't have the means to take her in. So that meant that Marilyn just went to the LA orphans home that September. She spent nearly two years in that orphanage up until the age of about 11 Because Grace's husband didn't want to take her in at that
0: age. Yeah. Eventually, Grace and her husband did take Marilyn in, but it wasn't until June in 1937. And Grace's husband didn't turn out to be a very good man. He was quite sleazy. One night he reportedly came home drunk and tried to force himself on Marilyn. Again, Marilyn was 11 years old. Just so much upheaval and
1: so much inconsistency with regards to what home looks like before the age of 11. It's really remarkable. When she told Grace what happened, Grace actually shipped her off to live with a great aunt and some cousins. So there... Marilyn was once again the victim of sexual assault in 1938 when she was almost 12 years old. A 13-year-old cousin forced himself onto her. A friend has said she was sexually assaulted and apparently Marilyn bathed obsessively for days after the attack.
0: Yeah, thankfully Marilyn's time in that home was short-lived. Nine months later, Grace shipped her back to L.A., but not to live with Grace this time. This time she was going to live with her aunt, Anna, she was 12 years old. Like, I I know it's so obvious, but what the hell? Like, what type of life are you building for a child when you are constantly having her move around and have no stability, but also no supply source of love. Yeah, no roots, no roots anywhere. So
1: finally with Anna, Marilyn had a home where she felt loved. She said later that Anna was the first person in the world I ever really loved and she loved me. She was a wonderful human being. I once wrote a poem about her. It was called I Love Her. She was the only one who loved and understood me.
0: Yeah. So by this point in time, Marilyn is becoming a teenager. She didn't really have many friends. She was quite lonely as a young girl, which is understandable given her upbringing. She was also very shy. She was a pretty average student at school and she didn't have any money for new clothes.
1: Yeah. So reflecting on her first year in high school, Marilyn said, I was very quiet and some of the other kids used to call me the mouse. All I had was the two light blue dress suits from the orphanage. Aunt Anna let them out because they'd grown a little, but they didn't fit right. I wore tennis shoes a lot because you could get them for 98 cents.
0: In 1939, when Marilyn was entering eighth grade, age 13, She grew into her adult body. So she was five foot five and a half inches and began to look much more like a woman than a kid. Yeah. And that was her full adult height at that point. So that's
1: really, I mean, I was going to say that's really young, age 13, but I probably hit my adult (laughs) height at age 13 as well. At this point, she began to realize, she says, the power of her own beauty. She later told Life magazine, I had this long walk to school, two and a half miles there, two and a half miles back. It was just sheer pleasure. Every fellow honked his horn, you know, workers driving to work, (laughs) waving, you know, and I'd wave back. The world became friendly. It was just this sudden freedom because I would ask the boys, can I ride your bike now? And they'd say, sure. Then I'd go zooming, laughing in the wind, riding down the block, laughing, and they'd all stand around and wait till I came back. It is a real recognition of
0: like, oh, I have some power here. But I also think in the 30s, what other power was there at women's disposal? If you were beautiful, that was really the only power you could latch onto. So I'm certainly not going to judge Marilyn for kind of finding glee in that. Not in the slightest. I love that anecdote of just taking the boys' bikes and then just standing around (laughs) waiting for her to ride it back to them. (laughs) She did also acknowledge that there was a darker, more prickly side to her beauty. She said, it was a kind of double-edged thing. I did find too when the world opened up that people took a lot for granted. Like not only could they be friendly, but they could suddenly get overly friendly and expect an awful lot for very little.
1: Now when Marilyn was 14 years old, Anna actually started to suffer some health issues. <sighs> so she had to move back with Grace and her husband. This was by the end of 1940.
0: Marilyn's only been there for two years. Like to think that this is the most stability she had and it was two years before she had to move again is kind of heartbreaking. The following year, when Marilyn was aged 15, she met her neighbour. He was a boy by the name of James Doherty, or Jim, as many referred to him. He was five years older than her, so 20 years old, and worked in aircraft manufacturing. He later said of that time, Marilyn was a child so far as I was concerned. But Grace, for some reason, was determined to set these two up, so asked Jim to escort Marilyn to a Christmas party, paid for them to go to movies together and packed picnic lunches for them to go on dates.
1: Yeah, and you can imagine that Grace was doing this because life is easier for them if Marilyn Mm. is shacking up or married to somebody else. At the start of 1942, so just over a year after Marilyn had returned to Grace and her husband, Grace's husband actually got a job on the East Coast. So he, Grace and his daughter would be flying out of LA. But Grace actually told Marilyn that they didn't have the money to take her with them. So once again, Grace was abandoning her.
0: Yeah, abandoning her and suggesting that maybe she should get married to Jim as some kind of solution to the problem. So Marilyn turned 16 that June and Jim went along with the plan. He said, I was going to the armed forces soon and I figured she'd have a home with my mother. And of course, I thought she was an adorable girl who was fun to be with. I really didn't think much beyond that. And Norma Jean went along with the idea.
1: Yeah, because there weren't really any other choices in this scenario. The only reason Marilyn agreed, she said, was to keep herself out of an orphanage once Grace moved away. Years later, Marilyn said, Grace McKee arranged a marriage for me. I never had a choice. There's not much to say about it. They couldn't support me and they had to work out something and so I got married. Mm,
0: According to Spoto's biography, apparently at one point Marilyn asked Grace if she could marry Jim but not have sex with him. She was also apparently deeply afraid that the marriage wouldn't work out. She explained, after all, I have never seen any marriage work out.
1: Yeah, and what would you think about marriage if that's all you've seen?
0: Yeah, you would think this is a temporary plan and I'm going to find my way out of it soon. Exactly. On June 1,
1: 1942, Marilyn turned 16 – on Friday 19th of June, so 18 days later, they got married at Grace's friend's house. So a photo of the night shows Jim wearing a white tux. He's standing next to Marilyn in front of a mantel place. She really did look nothing like the Marilyn Monroe we know today. She was in a long sleeve dress, had a veil pushed back in her dark shoulder length hair. When I look at this photo, and we will absolutely have it up on our Instagram feed, it looks more like a formal photo that I imagine rather than a wedding photo because they look so young.
0: Well, she's essentially a child bride. She's 16 years old. And Jim, I think, on some level knew that. He later recalled that at the wedding... Marilyn was shaking so she could hardly stand. It was also clear that Marilyn had this deep fear that Jim was going to abandon her like everyone else in her life had. He recalled of that time, she never let go of my arm all afternoon. And even then she looked at me as though she was afraid I might disappear while she was out of the room.
1: Yeah, and we will get into all of what married life looked like with Jim after the break.
0: All right, Zara, just before the break, we spoke about Marilyn's wedding aged 16 to her next door neighbour, Jim. They are now married. It is after the wedding and Marilyn and Jim have moved into a one bedroom bungalow.
1: Yeah. So it is clear reading books and articles about her life and hearing what she was like from the people around her that Marilyn was understandably at this point in her life anyway, dealing with some serious trauma and abandonment fears. I mean, Makes perfect sense. I'm not sure how you can come out of that Mm -hmm. completely unscathed. Jim said that Marilyn struggled to feel settled. He said she wanted to feel like she belonged to somebody. That was very important to her. So she didn't have many people in her life at all that she could trust, but she did have this collection of dolls. Jim went on, I'd find them on the bed because that's where she kept them. They'd be there when she needed them. Mm. I think it's a really important point again to remind ourselves about her immaturity because she's only 16, that her source of comfort at this point was a collection of dolls that she'd hold on her bed.
0: Yeah. According to Jim, their marriage was pretty content, but there is evidence that Marilyn potentially felt differently. A big source of insight we have into Marilyn's mental state or her thoughts of the time are actually a collection of her poems, letters, notes, recipes, and diary entries that have since been made public. Marilyn once wrote of her marriage to Jim, my relationship with him was basically insecure from the first night I spent alone with him.
1: Quite telling, hey. So in 1943, after just a year of marriage, Jim enlisted in the Merchant Marines during World War II and was shipped out to the Pacific a year later. Marilyn went to live with his mother and she helped Marilyn get a job at Radio Plane, which was like an aircraft plant. And she would fold and inspect parachutes. One day in the fall of 1944... An army photographer by the name of David Conover actually came to snap publicity shots of attractive young women working (laughs) in American factories to boost soldiers' morale. Really
0: takes you back to this era. (laughs) Incredible stuff.
1: He was completely taken by then 18-year-old Marilyn and he took her photo.
0: Yeah, Conover asked if he could photograph her again and promised to build up Marilyn's portfolio and also put her in touch with some modelling industry contacts He came good on that promise, which I'm very grateful to this Conover guy, a bit of a (laughs) sleazy job to begin with, but good on him for actually setting her up with a career. He introduced Marilyn Monroe to her modelling agent. Yeah, exactly. So that agent talked Marilyn into straightening and bleaching
1: her hair, saying that blondes got more jobs. Looking back on it, the agent said, Marilyn started out with less than any girl I ever knew, but she worked the hardest. She wanted to learn, wanted to be somebody more than anybody I ever saw before
0: in my life. A bit of a backhander? Yeah, like, oh, she was a diamond in the rough, like had to work really hard to get that beauty out, which is just bullshit as well. You look at the photo of Marilyn with dark hair on her wedding day. She's beautiful. She's clearly so jaw-droppingly stunning. Exactly. So this effort did pay off. The agent was right to some degree in dyeing Marilyn's hair blonde because suddenly within the space of a few months, she was appearing on at least 100 local and international magazine covers. Yeah, but Jim didn't really like this that much. So Jim was actually starting to feel a little bit uncomfortable
1: about Marilyn's work and told her that when he came back from tour, her modelling career would have to stop, that they would then settle down and have a family.
0: By this point in time, it is 1946, Marilyn is 20 years old and I think this is probably the fork in the road for her marriage with Jim because Marilyn's not thinking about domesticity and children Marilyn's thinking about her career taking off. She was appearing on the cover of five magazines in one month, and that is when a casting agent from 20th Century Fox took notice of her. He wanted to screen test her right away. Essentially, her screen test involved Marilyn walking across a set, sitting down, lighting a cigarette, putting it out, walking upstage, looking out a window and exiting. How amazing. So the casting director was
1: seriously impressed with Marilyn's work. He said every frame of that test radiated sex. Now, once the casting director's boss saw it, he offered Marilyn her first movie contract – Under this contract, she would be paid $75 a week for six months, then her agreement would be reviewed.
0: Yeah, so sounds like a huge, huge deal. And it is in some respects, but also $75 a week, even for that time, wasn't a very highly paid gig. Before Marilyn could appear in anything, Fox wanted to rename her, which they had the right to do under those old school movie contracts that effectively gave them power to make every decision on behalf of an actress. One day, the casting director apparently said, you're a Marilyn, and according to him, she replied, that's a lovely name. The reason she chose Monroe for her surname was because it was a tribute to her mother's maiden name.
1: Yeah, so by this point, Marilyn had realised that she didn't want to be a housewife when her husband returned. Shock, (laughs) horror. Jim was actually in China when he received a letter from Marilyn's attorney saying she wanted a divorce. When he arrived back in LA, she gave him divorce papers. He tried to convince her to not go through with it, but she'd already made up her mind. She was Marilyn Monroe now. She was 20 years old and they divorced in 1946.
0: Yeah. This isn't to say that her career took off. I mean, we know that Marilyn died aged 36, but Things were kind of slow moving in the early days of her career, despite how high her star rose. In 1947, Marilyn played a string of really small roles. And after six months, 20th Century Fox didn't renew her contract. She struggled a lot with money. She was living paycheck to paycheck and was trying to kind of pay the bills with modelling gigs.
1: I'm really surprised by this because I think after doing the research, I was like, well, the natural way that the story goes is that she gets this contract, divorces the guy, and she just balloons straight yeah. away and gets huge. But that isn't what happened. Gets huge. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Just gets bananas big straight away. According to the biography Marilyn Monroe, The Private Life of a Public Icon, this was the point at which Marilyn discovered that sex does sell. She borrowed $80 from a friend to buy 25 bras that she would sometimes stuff with tissues and wear under tight sweaters. So when her friend questioned the message it would send, she told them she wanted everyone to love me. The author of that biography, Charles Casillo, observed of his research into Marilyn, this was indicative of Marilyn's personality at this time, dressing provocatively and giving off sexual signals combined with an innocent who-me quality that worked.
0: Yeah, Marilyn said in a 1952 interview with Movieland magazine, I believe your body should make your clothes look good. You can't put on womanliness. You have to be womanly. She really hit the ground running around this time with networking and partying. She wanted to meet the kind of bigwigs in her industry to get another movie contract. She eventually scored a six-month contract with a competing studio for Fox. She went to Columbia Pictures in March of 1948, so just before her 22nd birthday.
1: Yeah, she was cast in this low-budget movie called Ladies of the Chorus in which she played a burlesque dancer and she sang... But her contract with Columbia Pictures was also not renewed after she allegedly refused to sleep with the studio exec. She said about this, I was determined no one was going to use me or my body, even if he could help my career. I've never gone out with a man I didn't want to.
0: Pretty good resolve for a young woman when her options, as we said earlier, like there's not a whole bunch of power for her to cling on to for her to say no to that man shows some kind of resilience that I'm pretty sure not everyone would have at that time. Yeah, absolutely. So she was
1: broke and she was unemployed and she started hitting up industry parties again. On New Year's Eve in 1948, 22-year-old Marilyn met a guy by the name of Johnny Hyde who was 53. Now, Johnny Hyde was reportedly a serial womaniser, as they called him, and the vice president of the top talent agency in the world. He struck up an affair with Marilyn, eventually leaving his wife and kids to be with her. But he also took her talent seriously. Marilyn later said, He was the first man I ever met who didn't think I was a dumb blonde.
0: Yeah. Johnny Hyde, again, much like Grace, is a complicated figure and we need to talk about it. He, yes, loved her, yes, believed in her. But also was the one to encourage her to tweak her appearance. Johnny Hyde encouraged Marilyn to get cartilage implanted to round out her chin. Yeah, so he tried to help Marilyn get cast
1: in films. He helped nab Marilyn a pretty small but important role in a film called The Ashfelt Jungle. So filming started in autumn 1949. Marilyn's role was playing the part of the gangster's mistress. Now, When this film was released, it was a huge success. It actually went on to be nominated for four Academy Awards, and this is where she kind of hits the big time.
0: Yeah, and this is where 20th Century Fox bosses decide that they have made a colossal mistake. Apparently, Daryl Zanuck, who was very high up at 20th Century Fox, cried, that's the girl we let go, get her back. Yes, (laughs) Yes. so she signed a new contract with Fox
1: in late 1950. This time, Johnny negotiated her a better contract. It was $500 a week for the first year. And if she was taken on for a second year, she'd be raised to $750 a week. By the third year, it would be $1,250 and so on and so forth. And if she was still with them seven years later, it would be three and a half grand a week. But Johnny actually died before he saw Marilyn really become famous. He died of a heart attack at the end of 1950 and Johnny's son later remembered that at the funeral, all I can recall clearly is Marilyn screaming my father's name over and over again. It shook everyone.
0: Yeah, a huge amount of grief. But in that same time period, so the next two years, Marilyn's star was steadily rising. In 1951, at the tender age of 25 still, Marilyn was praised for her performance as a provocative blonde in the film Love Nest. She also starred in successful Fox comedies, As Young As You Feel and Let's Make It Legal. The fans adored Marilyn. Like, we cannot understate that. Fan mail for Marilyn was absolutely pouring into the studio at the rate of two to 3,000 letters every week. In 1951, the press department sent out more than 3,000 photographs of Marilyn for the newspapers to print. It's a really incredible insight at this time into how they measured fame, isn't it? But in these early
1: years of stardom, despite the fans and the adoration, Marilyn was lonely. Of this time, she said, I didn't have any friends. I had teachers and people I would look up to, but nobody I could look over at. I always felt I was nobody and the only way for me to be somebody was to be, well, some Else, which is probably why I wanted to act. Mm. In
0: 1951, so when she's getting these thousands of love letters from fans every single week, she was introduced to a world famous baseball player by the name of Joe DiMaggio. So she was 25 years old. Again, she liked older men, he was 37. Joe DiMaggio was actually something
1: of an American icon. He was a huge baseball star. He was voted the best dressed man in the country.
0: Who would get that gong today? I don't know.
1: (laughs) Maybe Harry Styles or something (laughs) with some gigs in the entertainment industry under his belt. So he was really kind of crossing that line between sporting star and entertainment star. He had been married once before, but that relationship actually ended in disaster. Apparently, he drank, chain-smoked, and cheated on his wife constantly. Some pretty big red flags What a catch. They had a baby, but he barely paid attention to the baby. And his son later said about his dad, he was concerned with image and how things looked. He wasn't concerned with me as a person. So he divorced his wife for good in
0: 1950, which was the same year that Marilyn lost (sighs) Johnny Hyde. Marilyn, I wish you had rebounded to someone who was a little bit more healthy for you. Unfortunately, you went for Joe DiMaggio. At this point in his career, he had wrapped up his athletic pursuits with baseball, and he was focusing on his TV career. Now, they met when Joe DiMaggio spotted a photo of Marilyn Monroe posing sexily in a short skirted baseball outfit (laughs) in the paper. So she was aiming to hit a ball. This was over the 1951 to 1952 Christmas break. He sees her in the newspaper and he goes, I need to meet that hot woman. Exactly.
1: So they actually met at an Italian restaurant after she kept him waiting for two hours. (laughs) I just wouldn't stay that long. I would leave. You wouldn't stay 20 minutes. I would not stay 20 minutes. She had never (laughs) attended a baseball game and actually knew nothing about the sport but regardless they hit it off. Reflecting on their romance, Marilyn later said, I was surprised to be so crazy about Joe. I expected a flashy New York sports type and instead I met this reserved guy who didn't make a pass at me right away. I had dinner with him almost every night for two weeks. He treated me like something special. Joe is a very decent man and he makes other people feel decent too.
0: So they're together. They're falling in love with each other when, in 1952, scandal strikes and nude photos of Marilyn are published in a popular calendar against her will. Now, these photos were three years old. They were taken back in 1949. And as we know, we just said, in 1949, Marilyn's star hadn't risen yet. This was the time when she was doing a lot of modeling gigs to pay the bills and had said yes to this photo shoot because she needed the money. Yeah, she was behind on her
1: rent at the time. So to make a bit of money, she posed nude for the photographer Tom Kelly. But by the time the photos were released, Marilyn was a huge star, which meant it became now a huge deal. According to Time Magazine's reporting at the time, Marilyn's bosses at the film studio begged her to deny that she was the woman who appeared in the calendar.
0: Marilyn refused to do that. Time Magazine wrote, Marilyn believed in doing what comes naturally. She admitted she posed for the picture back in 1949 to pay her overdue rent. Soon she was waiting in more fan letters than ever. Asked if she really had nothing on in the photograph, Marilyn, her blue eyes wide, per I had the radio on. (laughs) So good. As
1: Vanity Fair wrote, looking back on the scandal, the public forgave her. She possessed a quality that seemed to trigger rescue fantasies in men and women alike. Interesting insight there. Following the scandal, Marilyn was featured on the cover of Life magazine, and Fox actually released three more films of her in 1952. So, yes, this was a huge scandal at the time. But I think it speaks to how much the public adored her, that she was just able to keep building this career.
0: Yeah, I think in this case, the age old adage of all publicity is good publicity kind of checked out a little bit of particular note from those three films that Marilyn starred in in 1952 was Don't Bother to Knock, where she played a disturbed babysitter. Now, Time magazine wrote a profile about Marilyn and reviewed her performance in Don't Bother to Knock. The journalist wrote, What lifts the film above the commonplace is its star, Marilyn Monroe, who is an inexpert actress but a talented woman. She is a saucy, hip-swinging, five-foot, five-and-a-half inches personality who has brought back the movie, the kind of unbridled sex appeal that has been missing since the days of Cara Beau and Jean Harlow. The trademarks of Marilyn's blonde allure: rust 37 inches, hips 37 inches, waist 24 inches, are her moist, half-closed eyes and moist, half-opened mouth. She is a movie press agent's dream. <laughs> Imagine writing down a Hollywood actress like Margot Robbie's waist measurement in your review of her film. What about her moist
1: (laughs) half-closed eyes? What does that mean? Moist eyes. And moist half-opened mouth. Anyway, the film's director, Henry Hathaway, told the magazine she can make any move, any gesture almost insufferably suggestive. So, Time magazine in that profile that you touched on, Mish, also wrote about the kind of life that Marilyn lived off set. They wrote, When she's alone, she often strikes art poses before a full-length mirror, admiring the beautifully distributed £118 that millions of moviegoers admire. In bed, she claims she wears only Chanel Number 5 and she avoids excessive sunbathing because I like to feel blonde all over. Marilyn dislikes being interviewed by women reporters, but with gentlemen of the press, it was different. Says she, we have a mutual appreciation of being male and female. Complicated. Very complicated. Do you think she was also kind of having people on. Uh, Like when she's alone, she strikes art poses. Is that like (laughs) young girls saying, yeah, when we're at sleepovers, we like have pillow Pillow fights." fights and just sort of play around in our underwear?
0: I absolutely think you're onto it. I think whether or not she was taking the piss and having a joke, I'm not sure if she was having a joke at our expense I know she was definitely giving the interviewers what they wanted. She was basically saying, you want me to jump, I'll fucking jump for you because I know it's going to benefit me in the long run. I kind of smirk a little bit at the she dislikes being interviewed by women (laughs) because obviously things are so different today. But I think this is testament to Marilyn Monroe knowing what people want from her and going, fine, have it, because it's going to benefit me in the long run and my bank account looks great for it.
1: Yeah, exactly. So by 1953, Marilyn Monroe was one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. That year, she turned 27. So she made it happen very, very quickly. But unfortunately, Mish, cracks were starting to show in her relationship with Joe. And in the next nine years of her life... Marilyn Monroe's star would burn so bright the story of her life and premature death would become the legend we know it to be. Yeah,
0: it's a story of dual lives, fame, glamour, excess, drugs and unfortunately addiction and we will tackle all of that and more next week.
1: Yeah, that is all we've got time for today. I can't believe how much she packed into 27 years and I also can't believe in next episode how much she is able to pack in her further nine years of Mm. life. It is a remarkable story and I am enjoying every second of it. Mish, as always, we will have photos, very nostalgic photos of Marilyn on our Instagram feed at Shameless Podcast. Yeah,
0: exactly right. If you want to see clips and snippets from this recording follow us on tiktok we are at shameless underscore podcast we put videos up every single day so catch up with us there too yeah thank you so much for
1: listening and big thank you to our researcher justine landis hanley who researched this with help from you and i mish we will be back in your ears on thursday for a wrap in the week that was in pop culture bye bye